Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. When we stay curious together, we can experience unimaginable freedom. On a journey to heal her trauma, Amy Guerrero stumbled, pun intended, into a conscious sober lifestyle and her deeper purpose to support people. Today, Amy supports sober people to heal past traumas to feel more freedom, pleasure, and purpose to create healthy relationships and thrive. She was confident no single approach to healing and living a conscious sober life would work for her, so why would it work for anyone else? Amy got busy educating herself, training and working with people in somatic experiencing, attachment theory, and other trauma-informed modalities, and relating it to living a conscious, sober lifestyle. What she discovered is missing for her clients, who include all adults ready to create healthier relationships, is that it is possible to connect with more safety and reveal their true potential purpose and thrive in all sober relationships. Outside of running her coaching business, Thrive in Recovery, you can find Amy practicing what she teaches, cooking healthy, delicious food, practicing yoga, playing outdoors, and strengthening her connection to herself to serve others. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Are you looking for a way to promote racial and social justice in your work setting, but aren't quite sure what to do or how? As a leader, you know there is more that can be done, but it seems overwhelming. If that describes you, join Dr. Jean Ladding and her expert team in the Pathfinders Membership Program. They provide you with knowledge and skills in a supportive community on how to champion change using work that is grounded in research. To learn more, go to leadingconsciously.com forward slash pathfinders or email info at leadingconsciously.com. One of the most vexing and difficult challenges all business leaders face is... What do I do on Monday morning at 8 o'clock to grow my business? In his best-selling book, Aligning the Dots, Dr. Philippe Buissou introduces a new, universal, data-driven, and prescriptive methodology to deliver sustained growth for any business. Get a copy now on Amazon or at AligningTheDots.com. Welcome, Amy Guerrero. How are you? I am so well this morning. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's so great to see you and to be here. I feel like I'm looking in the mirror with the glasses and the long hair and the. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we're mirrors to each other already, Lily. <laughs> I like what I see. <laughs> yes, you're so hot. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So we're excited to have you here. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. 100%. Awesome. All right. So Amy, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Absolutely. I love that question. I remember when I was a little girl that um, my second toe was longer than my first toe. And that that meant that I was going to be bossy. I don't know if you ever heard that in your family system. Oh, wow. Now I'm going to be looking out for toes. (laughs) Yeah. And really, when I look back on it, I think that like that leadership, that was definitely a way for me to feel in control with the disorganized childhood that I had. So I think I just started leading in groups and in different ways and friend groups just right off the bat and definitely in my family system. You know, I grew up in a Mexican family where no one had gone to school. No one had really gone above the high school level of education. And it's a pattern in my family to get pregnant, like right out of high school. And I was like, I'm doing it different. So I actually started my first business in high school and Yeah. And then that journey just continued of entrepreneurship and self-leadership. The first, you know, get out to go to college and complete college, to move away from home, to choose to move to California and San Francisco, where I took on a massive leadership role and started to do some business consulting in that area where I was a little bit unmanageable for an organization because I'm such a self-leader and also self-motivated and inspired. And in San Francisco is really where I stepped into the type of work that I'm doing now, where I started coaching smaller businesses and I started coaching as a yoga teacher as well. And then that would lead into people wanting privates with me and then really getting into their life and then transition into around 37. I decided I was going to heal all my trauma before I turned 40 and talk about self-leadership. I went in without a net And that's when I became chemically dependent on alcohol. And that's when everything really shifted for me. And I had to, I was in a place where if I couldn't drink anymore safely, because I was chemically dependent on it. And so I wanted to find a way to live a conscious sober lifestyle that included all of the principles that were a part of my lifestyle now. And I had a really difficult time finding it, Lily. And so I developed my own program. And it's called Thrive and Recovery with Amy. Talk about (laughs) self-leadership. And um, I really took a trauma-informed approach to my journey into consciousness and took everything that I had learned, you know, from zero to 37 and put it into a program and started sharing it with others. And now it's just blossomed into highly personalized one-on-one coaching that's very elite. And then in addition to that, several different group coaching programs where I teach people how to optimize their relationships in consciousness, to optimize their businesses in consciousness, and now how to build the bridge to trust with their family and friends, which is, you know, something that's so important when we struggle Um, because so much shame and guilt can come up. And that self-leadership, what I notice so often in people that struggle with any kind of depression or mental wellness is that that self-leadership is sometimes the first thing to go because there's so much shame and guilt about their behaviors. And I know that was definitely true for me. And I just feel so grateful that 
I'm naturally optimistic. And so even through the hardest of my times, I was like, no, I'm going to do this different, like get out of my way. So that's a lot about my journey in a little bit of time. (laughs) I sit here and I watch and I listen and it's been a very powerful journey and I love the work that has come from it. Like I'm just getting to know you and I'm already connected to you. I can certainly connect to a hard journey. You spoke a lot about self-leadership and I'm on the John Maxwell team and John Maxwell is an amazing leader. And one of the things that he teaches is that self-awareness is even more important than studying leadership because you can't get to leadership unless you go through that journey. And so few people go through that journey because of what you mentioned, the guilt, the shame, the fear. I love what you're doing because it is so needed. And you spoke about optimizing relationship, business relationships as well, right? And then building a bridge to trust. And trust to me is the foundation of leadership. So let's talk a little bit about how you arrive there and why trust is so important. Mm, Such a great question. And I love that foundation that John Maxwell's teachings are in as well. So thank you for mentioning that and the work that you do. Because, you know, that's kind of what people express to me is that's the scariest part of the journey is going into that inward place and really facing yourself in the mirror and looking at yourself. And this is fascinating to me. So as the virus started to really take over the world and I noticed that massive contraction that happened naturally because of everything that was happening. And right away, I started to um, ask questions about trust because I wanted to collect data. And Lily, you know, this last year and a half has been such a great example of self-awareness and self-leadership because people that might not have ever even wanted to look inward because they stayed so busy in their lives and just so packed with things that didn't really matter at this forced inwardness, this contraction that we experienced as a world really brought in that awareness. And then it led to, do I trust myself? And do I trust the people around me? And then in the bigger picture, I can't trust anyone (laughs) because they all have the virus. And so I really took on the skills that I've learned to just research and study the data. I knew for my inward journey, how powerful it is, and then watching how people responded. And this is really where I started to get the idea of how do we bridge the trust within and what better time to do it than in this contraction where people are being forced to go inward because we couldn't stay busy doing the things that we were doing. You can only organize your closet so many times before you're either willing to go in and do a little bit of self-development and work and just curiosity. And that's really where the bridge to trust experience started. And then, you know, I mean, it's so sad, but the substance misuse went on the rise, especially with educators and nurses and the frontline workers. And then their relationships started to deteriorate. I can't tell you how many calls I had, and especially women and lots of women of color. You know, I was so honored that they wanted to reach out and ask me for support, but they just didn't know what to do because they felt so much pressure. And that inward work was being called, but they were also being called to do that outward work. And so there was that conflict and that polarity, yeah, of I need to spend time, but there's a shortage of people to support. 
So it was just this really fascinating time to study trust. And I learned so much. And the biggest thing that I hear from people is I don't trust myself. Yeah, trust is certainly something that you need to work on intentionally. What I've learned is that trust is like love. You give it. It's a choice. But you have to go through the process. You mentioned that you were doing the process alone without support. Tell us about that and tell us how your program supports others. Warning, 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 do not do what I did because it led to not great things. That's the value of what you bring because you didn't stay there. I think that one of the biggest things that I hear from people is I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And that's where the first rupture and especially from the trauma-informed lens that I work with, you know, I'm like, okay, that's that first rupture and trust to yourself. Because it's a lie that you have it on your own. And it's so difficult to ask for help because we're conditioned in the societies that we live in that you're supposed to be able to have it on your own. Don't air your dirty laundry. Don't talk about these things. And so that first rupture in trust when it happens, that's almost the hardest one to mend. And it cannot be done without support because, you know, we all have blind spots. And I have a high level of mentors and accountability people in my life so that they can help me see my blind spots because as much as self-leadership as I have, like I am not successful on my own. It takes a team of people to support my success. And that's, I think the beautiful part about the programs and the spaces that I create, that they're very safe, they're trauma-informed, everyone understands the same language. And then if they do one-on-one work with me, then it's like literally your partner in life where I'm walking beside you. And and we talk every day with a walkie-talkie support that we have together. And so I'm literally there moment to moment supporting people because relationships are hard. Owning your business is not easy. You know, Um, changing jobs in a weird environment, all these things that maybe people thought were going to stay the same forever are now different and support is key. Yes, absolutely. You know, I can see us working together, Amy. And I'll tell you why, because my journey through trauma and long lineage of alcoholism in my family um, and, you know, raised by a pedophile. So I've had to travel that journey and it led me to self-leadership and it led me to my passion, which is up-leveling leadership collectively. But there's certainly that piece where people need to grow in their awareness and in healing. So I love the work that you do. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, because that is a piece that is super important. You know, they call these skills soft skills in corporate America, which, are, right, you laugh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like rolling over here. I'm like soft skills. Like this is what takes large organizations out. Yes. But here's the thing, because they name them soft skills, they don't pay attention. And it's something that we're bringing up that we really need to put in the forefront. So thank you so much for that. Now, you know, we've gone through this COVID-19. What has helped you through this? Like, is there a quote, advice, practice that helps you most during crisis? Consistency, 100%. Developing consistency for myself, for the people in my life, for the people that I support. It's interesting because let's relate it to self-leadership. In order to be self-led, consistency is so important. However, with disorganized family systems like yourself, and thank you so much for sharing that with me, we might not have ever had the confirming experience 
in our bodies of what consistency feels like and how safe consistency can feel. And so we push away unconsciously consistency. And it's because of the trauma that we experience as little people. And it's not even a realization. It's like, oh my goodness, like that's scary to me. And so it's making consistency sexy and safe, especially to a disorganized nervous system where they're so used to chaos. I'm a multitasker. I can do it all. I thrive better in chaos. You know, I hear these things all the time. And when we get consistent, there's usually a catharsis that happens Mm -hmm. of like, wow, I wanted this so badly in my childhood. And now it's so hard to do it for myself. Mm -hmm. And especially with this like collective trauma, it's like, oh gosh, I was just so consistent every day. Hey leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Feelings of employee isolation decreases productivity up to 21%. Socializing between team members improves communication patterns more than 50%. Create Magic at Work offers tools that skill build in emotional intelligence, EQ, and spiritual intelligence, SQ. One tool they offer are journal prompt cards that invite you to connect and reflect about different themes in the workplace. A deck of 33 beautiful gloss stock cards. Each card contains an affirmation and two questions regarding the workplace to consider. Utilize them virtually, in a group, or individually to create a workplace where employees are highly engaged. Create a company with less ego-induced drama, where people work hard but with less stress. Go to createmagicatwork.net forward slash tools to get your own deck of journal prompt cards today. You know, you're speaking into my heart because I reached a point of burnout at one time because I was consistent, but I was really working hard and not really paying attention to my soul and my heart. And so I bring this work too, because I know what it's like to walk that path and just addicted to adrenaline, you know, and so I'm feeling the repercussions of that. Now I'm really, really taking care of my body, but you spoke about it, consistency, and that is super key. I am consistent with how I wake up. I am consistent with, hold on a sec. Sorry, Amy, I have a teenager. It's okay. (laughs) That will help you practice consistency. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, you know, you process things through dreams too. And so I have dreams, intense dreams, and I wake up in a a certain way and I have to be consistent in how I regroup and reset. And that's super important. So I love that you bring that up because it does energize our souls and we need to do that. So what is it that you're consistent with? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Everything. I love consistency. It just creates so much safety for me. And I just love what you said about dreams. I keep a dream journal. So I write my dreams first thing in the morning while I'm still kind of in that in-betweeny phase Mm -hmm. of waking up and consciousness. I have the same, I mean, not necessarily always, like I'll change it up every few months of just something that's calling to my heart. But that first hour of my life every morning is just like really juicy, yummy, feminine, time for me. And then I write really well. So I'll do a lot of my social media and things like that in the morning where I'm connecting from this very raw, deep place. You know, I eat at the same times every day. I eat the same types of food. I go to the same farmer's markets. Like I, 
Yeah. You know, I've chosen to be a conscious single woman as well because I knew that I was healing a broken heart. And in order to heal that heartbreak, really, truly heal it. And I had this beautiful opportunity to go with my ex-boyfriend who had broken my heart and spend time with him during COVID. So this has been so beautiful. And I'm so glad that I chose to be consistent with myself on this level so that we could show up together and really just enjoy each other and understand where it had gone wrong. And he was just like, you're amazing. And it was because of that consistency of my life and where I chose to not bring other energies into my life so that I could really get into alignment with what feels good to me. And especially for the feminine energy and with all of the energies that it seems to be a trend in the feminine energy of burning out adrenal fatigue and all of the things and not bringing pleasure into the work that we do and creating consistency helps us to enjoy what we're doing. Cause I know exactly what I have to do when we get off here, right? I don't have to think about it. And then that lets me just be fully here while I'm here with you. And that's a gift. Yes, that is a gift. And when change comes, you know, even change is consistent. (laughs) Change is inevitable, right? Growth is optional. So that's something that keeps us moving forward. You speak also about another big topic, forgiveness. Mm. Why is that important? I know many people don't think about it or we bury it. You know, I think that there's two ways that the nervous system responds to a rupture in trust. So let's bring it into the trust realm. The nervous system either responds with pushing it away, fight, flight energy, like, oh, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to resent you. I'm going to hold on to this, or I'm going to hold on to this and I'm going to collapse. So there's these two different energies, neither of them right, wrong. However, both of them make a tremendous impact on the nervous system and the quality of life that the person lives. And in order to build the bridge to trust, forgiveness is such a big part of it. Because what's underneath the lack of trust is the resentment, is the holding on to, is the repression of the original incident that has happened. And until we're willing to go, oh, that hurt. And so something that I often teach everyone that I support is how can we name it in the moment? Ooh, your words really ooh, hit me some kind of way. Oh, I'm feeling that triggers, right? the triggers that we don't pay attention to. Oh my gosh. Talk about that. Yeah. And you know, what I teach people is to come into the body, right? So we feel the trigger, we feel the activation, but we're so heavily trained to repress it. And I'm like, what if you start just naming it right there in the moment? Like, ouch. And I've been practicing that for years, even before I chose sobriety. And it's so impactful because it pauses the entire conversation by just me going, ouch, it's not your wrong. It's not your bad. It's like, I just felt something. And rather than push it down and close up my heart, which then leads to resentment and a lack of acceptance. And then this thing of like, I can't forgive. And then we make forgiveness this like really hard thing. It's actually not because it does start from within. But when we repress it, then it's like years and years and years of rewounding that incident and then behaving in ways like unavailable men. You know, it's just like, oh, I'll continue to date every unavailable man out there. And I'm like, I'm just rewounding my original incident, like setting myself up for abandonment over and over and over again. And who did I have to forgive? Myself. It had nothing to do with them. It was just like, 
that's all I knew how to do. <laughs> and yes, it started at abandonment from childhood and my mom and all of the weird things that happened in my childhood. The most important forgiveness was mine. Mm, there's so much to talk about here. You know, being triggered, you know, that's something that it's interesting because I've been working on me for a long, long time and I've come a long way. And I was on this webinar. It was actually a meeting of a group of highly skilled professional women and I was a part of the group. I was getting to know them. And the leader said something right at the end to me that no one else noticed. But she said it to me. And I have to tell you, I hung up the phone or I closed the, the Zoom call and I started to cry. Then I started to say, why is this coming up again? You know, you should be over this. And, oh, you're a baby. All those thoughts and what I forced myself to do because I understand that this was the trigger. I wasn't expecting this. And it came from a woman who I trusted and who really didn't go out to hurt me, but it did. And so immediately what I did is I emailed her and said, I feel angry. I feel hurt. And, and I said it. And then I sent the email because I was afraid to do that too, because of how I would look. It's intense. You know, she called me, we talked through it. I was able to come out of it quickly. And I was surprised and I was able to sleep that night. And I honored that little girl that came out in me. I honored her. I validated her feelings and I named where it came from and we connected. And so I say all that to say triggers will come. And as a leader, how you deal with it is super important. I remember those triggers. I remember they used to come up here and I used to swallow and just, okay, I'm fine. I got this. Mm. <laughs> But you know oh. what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And I love that you just, you know, presence your neck and this, like how often we do that, like stuff it down. And the story that you just told, thank you so much for sharing that, is such a beautiful example of everything that we've talked about today. That self-awareness to then come into that self-leadership, to notice the activation in your nervous system. When activated in your nervous system, to, you know, consciously choose to go and repair with this woman and then to connect more deeply because of your willingness. And even though it was so scary to press send, you, you just like autonomically had to like override what your nervous system was telling you to do, which was to swallow it again. This is exactly what the bridge to trust is. Mm. Like you couldn't have put it in a better story because that's where we, somewhere along the line, our nervous system stops us from going in for that repair, from making conscious how that felt and you could have stuffed it down and then there would have been a rupture with you and this woman who you very much love and admire it sounds like for a lifetime and how often y'all that are listening out there does that happen subtly in yeah. your life and you kind of just go on of like I don't really understand what happened with that person but we're aligned to ourselves because we do know what happened with that person right and we're not willing to face it because it's uncomfortable. I love how you frame all the things that I know to be true as well, because I practice them. Thank you so much. You know, key here too, is to have go-to people that know you, that listen, I'm feeling this way because it is a hard thing to do, but supremely important in our growth as leaders. So Amy, you know, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? I'll start with what I'm most hopeful about. <laughs> I'm most hopeful that we are going to start teaching nervous system work to children. 
I'm most hopeful that by children understanding their nervous systems and having language for it at an early age, it's going to be natural. Like, oh, that hurt me. Can we fix it right now? Instead of, you know, I mean, that would be children's language, right? I don't usually use the word fix, but that would be something so beautiful. Instead of going home and saying somebody bullied me, really being able to do it in the moment and teaching children and supporting children, which means that us adults have to choose to lean into that growth and teach the children, teach to the next generation of people. What I fear most, I mean, especially just with what's happened in the last year is that when things do come back online, there's going to be all of this unresolved energy that's been kind of sitting in this darkness, in this contraction that is going to explode in the weirdest ways. And especially what's come out in the world now with all of the things that it's going to be messy and there's going to be such a fear of money that will get us out of the heart centeredness that of whatever work we've done inward. And that's just scary to me. So I'm very conscious of like, I am not going back in there and my business is already online. So I feel so fortunate that like, this has been my lifestyle since 2017. I fear that like just, I live in the Los Angeles area and just seeing the traffic start yes. to kind of and the road rage. Yeah. I'm like, there's so much pent up energy that it's going to explode in weird ways. And we've seen little tidbits of it around the world and the country. But when we get back into offices and things like that, I just think it's going to come out all kinds of sideways. (laughs) So it'll be interesting. And our work, Lily, will be more important than ever. Yes. Yes. I love that you call it nervous system work. I call it social emotional skills. But tell me, because I've never heard that. When I started to get sober, this was the biggest thing that I presenced in all the treatment centers that I went to and everything. And they tried to make it about my head. And I was like, this has nothing to do with my head. This is everything to do with how my body responds to the world and putting an intoxicant, you know, like ethanol into it calms my nerves. It calms my GABA receptors. And so when I say nervous system work, I mean, like we're one nervous system to another. And you've said it several times. Like, I feel very connected to you. I can literally feel my heart pulling towards your heart. And that is how we actually interact in the world. We do not interact with this thing in our heads and we interact with our bodies and our nervous systems. And if we can start to understand it's one nervous system to another, whether it's your animal friend or another human being, or nervous systems. And I believe that if I'll just presence this for the listeners, looking at your animal friend and feeling how connected you feel when there is no language is such a beautiful way to experience nervous system connection. Cause you're like, Oh, I just know that animal. And when you're sad, the animal comes and licks your tears. They just know it's because one nervous system's always talking to the other nervous system. And how important it is, you said, to bring it to children. You know, the only time we really teach social emotional skills and what you call nervous system work, that energy work, is in preschool, maybe kindergarten, and then it stops. And so those are also leadership skills. That's the foundation, the fundamental work of leadership. where You can teach anybody to manage something, but leadership skills go deep. And, you know, I have a group where we're talking deep leadership skills. And the other day we talked about love. And I said, how often do you talk about love in an organization? They said, never, but they experienced it. Now that it's in their awareness, they started to experience it more and be more free. Absolutely. 
Now you have an option. You can either take a question from a former guest or you can share a challenge or struggle that you learned from. I wouldn't be surprised, of course. So let's take a question from a former guest. Risk taker you. I am a risk taker. It's a beautiful way to toggle between consistency and risk. You have to have fun. Yes. Oh, speaking of fun. So Jake Jacobs, he wants to know, what is it about your work in the world that is the most fun and enjoying for you to do? Oh my goodness. Gosh, that's a great, great question. I think the most fun and enjoying part of my work, especially with my one-on-one, I get to know the whole family system. And it's just a delight because the children will come into the calls and say hello and they all know me and they say, oh gosh, I'm about to like get all emotional. They say like, thank you for the support that you do to my mommy or my daddy. They're different because of you. I can tell when they don't talk to you, they say all these cute little things. And it just brings me so much joy and fun and excitement because, you know, play is the opposite of trauma. And when we're playing together, when we're having fun together, then I notice that me and my clients and their family systems are really becoming those transitional characters in the world. So there's nothing more fun than playing these games. And just last night, I had a message from one of my clients and all the kids were in the background. Hi, Amy. (laughs) I was just like, I love it. (laughs) So that's the thing that really lights me up. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now, Amy, as a listener of this podcast, Is there a question you have for a future leadership guest to respond to? What are you curious about? I'm curious of when you think about your own self-awareness, what is a place that you've avoided going to, to date as a leader in this world and in this space? So when you think about your own self-awareness, there's always a place that we're like, oh, I'll get to that later. (laughs) What is that place for you? And, you know, nothing right or wrong about it it's always just fun because I know that there's places of me I'm like maybe next year I'll do that (laughs) that is a fantastic question and I love it and I will certainly pose it to upcoming leaders and maybe we will have cathartic moments and up-level leadership that way I love it now I know that you're a podcaster and that you have a website can you tell us about that Absolutely. So all of my social media, my website, everything is thrive and recovery with amy.com and then Instagram, Facebook, all of those things. My podcast is called the optimized life podcast, and it's really about optimizing self-awareness. I mean, that's exactly what we talk about. And we talk about it through the lens of two conscious sober women. So I decided to do it with someone, which is really a delight because there's so much connection and bridging the trust there as well. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I'm just so delighted to have this conversation this morning. And I believe that wherever you are as a leader right now is like exactly where you're supposed to be. Whatever's happened until now makes sense in like the most loving, compassionate, kind way. Keep going. Keep going. Love it. So Amy, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. What a wonderful conversation. Feeling it. Thank you so much. Yes. Have an amazing day. <laughs> you too. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time. 
continue to ignite that leader in you.